Welcome back, Kofkin Bond listeners. I'm here with Podcast 55. For the sake of full disclosure today, I'm talking to a man who has been Tony Kofkin's client for around 25 years and has been his go-to lawyer for around the same time, um, with many Kofkin Bond clients referred through to this guy. But it needs to be stated, we receive no financial rewards or incentives from referring you. Uh, we just love the service that this guy gives. And I'd like to welcome Darren Marks from Rigby Cook. Darren, how are you going today? I'm well, Jamie. And lovely to be uh, part of the podcast and thanks for having me. It's, no, it's fantastic to have you on. We've, uh, we've been chasing you for a while. Uh, you, and, you and Tony go a long way back. Uh, we do, probably longer than um, both of us would uh, care to remember. But, yeah, <laughs> um, teenage days come to, come to memory. Wow, okay. I, I did think it went back a while, but I didn't think that far. But Darren, you're actually one of the first I met um, when I joined the industry some four or five years ago at one of our movie nights. So I guess our relationship started then, but it's it's good that I get to talk to you today and not Tony, because I reckon there would have been a bit of reminiscing on Tony's side from this interview. Oh yes, it does happen occasionally when we get together. <laughs> Look, Darren, um, I just want to get a bit of background on you first. Um, from what I know is you've been our property lawyer and I've, I've dealt with you with moving to the new office. Um, but what is your background? Um, well, I actually started my working career as a school teacher and I did that for nine years. But um, while I was teaching, I went back to uni and did my law degree and um, the rest is history, as they say. So I've been practicing in law now for uh, 20 two years, 23 years, um, and the last uh, eight of those um, as a partner at Rigby Cook Lawyers, and then before that, yeah, I was at a couple of other law firms, but um, I, I predominantly practice in uh, property and hospitality law, so my expertise is in property development, leasing, planning, and then on the hospitality side, I do quite a bit of work with sporting clubs, um, you know, pubs, clubs, restaurants. Uh, so they're, they're all very uh, hot topics at the moment in the uh, current world we're living in. I was going to say, you seem to be one of the people that are most impacted by COVID and your phones must be running hot with inquiries at the moment, surely. Look, there is lots of inquiries, not so much action at the moment. Um, I think people are sitting back and waiting, which is not necessarily a, a bad thing. Uh, we, we put out a little bit of a, a client alert a few weeks back and um, the advice probably wasn't the advice that lawyers ordinarily give, but it was uh, pretty much came down to what is going to happen. Well, it depends. And that's where we do sit at the moment that, um, we're still waiting, and I say we, the, the community, the profession, are still waiting on governments to make, um, I guess, concrete decisions and start drafting legislation. So a lot of our clients we've recommended, and, and these are tenants and landlords, uh, we've recommended that they start talking. Talk yep, to the yep. landlords, talk to their tenants, be open about this. It's, it's no good trying to, to be a little bit cagey or, you know, start creating fiction and things like that because we, we all know where we sit. Um, and in the case of a, a hospitality client, for an example, you know, they own a pub, they're closed completely, no income. Yep. Um, there are some out there, you know, trying to, to do their very best to stay alive by still doing takeaway menus and things like that. And, you know, absolute credit, 
to those people. Um, just amazing stuff that they're doing, completely reinventing menus to accommodate takeaway meals. Um, and I'm talking from small burger restaurants to, to major hospitality groups. Um, you know, for other people, it's, it's a lot more difficult. Their, their business is shut down, um, either by lack of trade or by government um, input. So, as I said, a lot of people at the moment are just trying to work things out and see where they can go. So you're, you're discussing talking. So is that that term, I guess, acting good faith? Um, is this where landlords and tenants and, and the alike need to start discussing, you know, the future and what it may look like? Yeah, look, certainly. Um, last week, or um, yeah, it was about 10 days ago, uh, the federal government released what they called the National Code. And it's a, effectively a code of conduct that they're hoping all parties involved in leasing to follow. It, it predominantly uh, impacts on commercial retail leasing only, not residential. Yep. Um, but the term to act in good faith appears in this code quite a lot. And from a legal perspective, when lawyers start drafting parties agree to act in good faith, it means that there's so much unknown that they can't draft for every circumstance. And that's exactly what the code anticipates, that they, they can't draft something that will cover every lease, every circumstance, every tenant, every landlord. So they've come to the point of saying, we hope that parties will act in good faith. And that's exactly, I guess, where we've been coming from, um, from a lawyer's perspective is, to, is said to encourage people to talk, to get out there and act in good faith uh, and be honest. Yep. And, and that is both sides, landlords and tenants. Be honest, be open. Say so these are the circumstances. This is where my business sits. Again, both landlord and tenant. And this is what we can afford or this is what we can do. I think the press has been very um, active on, you know, letting everybody know, you know, that the, the two sides, the tenant side, the landlord side, and yes, that, that, you know, nobody wants to kick a tenant out of their business. Um, but at the same time, you know, many landlords still need that, that rent coming in to pay their mortgages. Uh, so so this, this, code, this code has been heavily linked to the um, Commonwealth Government's JobKeeper program, or that's sort of where a starting point can, the, with the discussions can happen, can't it? Correct. So um, the, the initial point is if the tenant is able to rely upon uh, the JobKeeper program, uh, then they're entitled to be protected by the code. So there's a, uh, a financial threshold of $50 million turnover. So if the business is, has a turnover of $50 million or less, um, then it falls within the JobKeeper program and, and then it also falls within the protection of the code. And what the code effectively is saying is that as a tenant, um, you have a right to both rent relief and rent deferral. Um, and in, in simple maths, and, and, and I must stress that this is my understanding of this, and, and the, the reason I do say that is because there is no law drafted yet in Victoria. Um, New South Wales has, has started to put some legislation together, um, but Victoria, I, I understand, is you know, drafting it as we speak. 
Um, but effectively, in round numbers, if, if you are a tenant and you're, um, you know, you're paying rent, and I'll use simple maths because I'm a lawyer, not an accountant, so it'll be easy <laughs> for me to work this out. Um, but if you're paying $120,000 a year uh, rent, so $10,000 a month, if you suffer a 30% downturn in your revenue, under this code, you're entitled to a 30% reduction in your rent. So your 10,000 would reduce to 7,000. Yep. Now, of that 7,000 that you're still expected to pay, um, under the code, you can have up to 50% of that in complete rent abatement. That is, you don't have to pay it. Uh, the landlord gives you that rent abatement. The other 50% can be taken as a rent deferral and you can have you know, up to 24 months to then pay that other half back. Um, you know, again, I stress that is my understanding of how this operates. Um, and I've seen this you know, discussed by a number of academics and, and barristers and the like, and, and we're all sort of taking the same view. Um, as a landlord, what this means, though, that with that rent abatement, there doesn't seem to be any way that you can recoup that back in the future. So you are, as a landlord, you are giving um, your tenant complete rent abatement for a, a proportion um, of their, their current turnover loss. Um, now, this is where the, the, the acting good faith component comes in. Because in some instances, go back to the pubs, for example, they get a hundred percent loss of turnover. Yep. So I don't know how the equation works then, um, <clears throat> because if you take the the codes mentality, that you you basically get a rent abatement for a proportion of your loss. Your loss is a hundred percent. Now that would then mean you don't pay rent at all, and then the other fifty percent which is that rent deferral, well, it's 50% of nothing. So again, that would suggest you don't have to pay any rent at all now or in the future. Now, to so me... That, in that thinking, regard, landlords wouldn't be protected at all then, would they? That's, that's correct. And, and so to me, that's where the acting good faith comes into play a bit more that, you know, I, I personally, for my opinion, don't think that that's overly fair for landlords. Um, and that there should be some discussion between the parties as to how um, the, the, the tenants will somehow pay the landlord something, be it now or a deferral. Um, and again, that's where the job keeper comes into play, that if the, the business can get up and running again and become active, and that might mean on a very scaled back um, way, particularly with hospitality and pubs, because I personally think that they'll be the last thing to open back up. Yep. Um, but as I said, people have been reinventing themselves and reinventing their businesses. So, uh, you know, but again, there's landlords also have to, um, you know, do the right things for us. For argument's sake, if uh, under a, a, a lease, the landlord um, has certain outgoings, be it um, cleaning, um, concierge services, management services, uh, you know, there could be exterior common property, landscaping, all those types of things. 
they're more than likely to forego a lot of that in the current time, particularly buildings have closed or businesses have shut, um, people working from home, etc. So if the landlord is saving money, then they need to pass those savings on. Now that mightn't be as a cash handout. It could simply be, well, I am saving, you know, costs because of this. Therefore, yep. I, I distribute that amongst my tenant or tenants that I have, um, you know, is a, a like for like type mentality. Um, but again, this is where, again, the good faith mentality comes in because there is not a one size fits all. Will we, will we see in the future, do you think, um, sort of like freezes on rent increases and things like that over the next few years due to this? Will there sort of be discussions around that? Look, I think, Going that far forward, um, it's a distinct possibility. Under the code, it's one of the things that the code does say that you can't um, increase rent. So under a lot of leases, and to a lot of your listeners, they'll probably be very aware of this, that there'll be fixed uh, rent increases under their leases. Um, on an annual basis, it's generally a, a 3 or 4% increase or maybe a, a CPI yep. and then at the turnover of their their lease term so the next five years um, you know it will be a market rent review now I think anybody um, you know would appreciate that if you were to do a market review of, of a lease at the moment or a business um, the the uh, profitability would plummet and therefore the, the the rent on it would plummet as well so it's again, the the code has said there's to be no rent changes in the in the current market. Now they talk about the the COVID nineteen period, because that begs the question: Well, what's the period? And we don't know. Um, there's a I think there's a generally accepted view that's for six months, um, but that that could be less. It, it but it could also extend to more. Yeah. Um. So. I guess commercials covered in that regard. Have they? Is this code also residential, or is it just for the um, commercial market? No, the code is specifically for commercial, and as I said, and it's also for those um, fitting in within the JobKeeper program. The code does say that um, it wants parties though that that don't fit within it. Again, but commercial. So if you've got a major corporation that has over a $50 million turnover, um, the legislators still want people to follow the principles of the code. Uh, it does not cover residential. Um, that's been left to each state. And there's a lot of emotion, or more emotion, I think, in, in residential um, because it's someone's home. And yep. so there is... There is a humanitarian perspective attached to that, that I don't think, well, I'd like to think there is not one person out there listening that would say, uh, kick the bloody tenants out, I don't care. Now, you know, I'm happy to disclose to your listeners that yes, I am a landlord, um, you know, I invest in property. That's what I do for my investment strategy. Um, and I, yeah, I'm sitting here waiting for the phone to ring um, with one of my property managers saying your tenant can't pay. Yep. Now, so Queensland, you, you actually have a few in Queensland um, that I'm aware of. Now, they've released a bit more guidelines than, say, Victoria and New South Wales, haven't they? They have. And look, um, both 
my property managers in Queensland were very quick off the mark and um, and the REIQ, so the, the Real Estate Institute of Queensland, uh, have they're very active in uh, basically petitioning the uh, Premier to reconsider what they have put forward. It's, it's a heavily tenant-friendly uh, uh, piece of legislation that is being proposed, um, whereby the tenant does not have to uh, give any proof of their current financial situation. Um, they can simply state that they are affected by COVID, that they can't pay their rent. Uh, they don't have any sort of deferral system or any payback system. It's effectively, I'm not paying rent and the landlord is not in a position to do anything about it. It can't force them to pay rent, it can't call upon their bank guarantees or security. Uh, it can't evict them. Um, right to the point where, is my understanding of Queensland's legislation, that if you then chose to sell it or were required to sell it because you're, you couldn't pay a mortgage and your bank didn't want to assist, that you can't sell it because you can't evict your tenant. So you, therefore you can't give vacant possession. Um, that's going so to leave some... Uh, some hairy moments there. So what can you do in regards? Cause I remember you discussing before we come on um, that if you were to go to your bank and say, I need to put on a mortgage hold, some banks look at your, are looking at your wage and not your rental income. Correct. And I've, you know, and I've, I've had that discussion um, for myself personally that, uh, you know, effectively they said, but your salary has not dropped. And I said, but my salary includes rent. That is part of my, my income, my income and yeah. said, no, we're, we're looking at, um, you know, your work, your mainstream of income. And as I, you know, very bluntly put back to my bank, um, well, the ATO's never taken that, that discretion. <laughs> um, they've slugged me rightly on every yep. cent that I've ever earned as a landlord. Um, so look, there's, I, I think, and again, um, to fall back on the, that the term to act in good faith, if, if all parties, and by all parties, I mean the governments, landlords, tenants, banks, all fall into line. Um, and it's a little bit of, a, you know, the horse chasing its tail, or the dog chasing its tail, horse before the cart, all those sorts of things that if, if a tenant is in financial distress and the landlord says, well, okay, I'll, I'll do my part, I'll reduce rent or, give a deferral or whatever the case may be, but provided that the bank says, well, I won't slug you your, um, you know, your, your monthly mortgage payment, uh, regardless of your situation, because your rent's reduced, therefore, you know, your, your income's reduced. Yeah. And that the government also steps in, um, particularly for Victorian listeners, um, on land tax. Um, now, again, my understanding with land tax, it's a, a, a deferral payment. It's not a relief. So for the landlord, um, you still have to pay it. You know, they're, they're not giving you um, a, a, a land tax free um, get out of jail card. It's, well, no, we'll simply defer that payment for a few months. So with, I guess with all this and, and tenants talking to landlords and, and the like. Now, will this mean that there's you vary the lease, or is it just an agreement? How is this legally going to put be put into place? Is it just a, you know, we've had a chat and this is what we've agreed to, so we'll act in good faith, or how are we going about that? 
look it's uh, can i go back to it depends yeah um, okay. it's but look obviously um from a legal perspective and particularly for something so important i think um particularly in commercial areas a, a deed of variation is necessary um there's too much at stake on this to suddenly just sort of turn around and say um but we shook hands on this or you said or she said um i i think it's it's really important for everybody's um safety that uh this is documented and it doesn't need to be a you know an overly complicated document um it would simply come down to say that the parties have agreed to vary the lease as follows and it could be that you know you define it for the COVID period and the COVID period might be something that the parties agreed to or they'll leave it up to the government to decide. So would that, that be, would that be to say, if you're putting in that, would that be to say when, you know, all stages are lifted or how would you go about that in that regard? Look, at this stage, because we, we are actually doing this for clients as we speak. Yep. Um, and we're, we're putting, you know, again, using that good faith principle, a six-month term or a date to be determined in discussion with the parties, you know, taking into account government directives, etc. Yep. Um, so particularly, say, for hospitality industries, if, if when they're allowed to open back up, that's a fairly good indication that, well, um, they will start to have income. Um, that doesn't mean they're going to be flowing in cash straight away, though. No. So, again, there needs to be some relief. But the things that would be put into that document is um, how long the period would be, what is the, the type of relief that's being granted. So you could actually put an exact figure and say that for the from the commencement date of the variation, rent will be, and you put in a figure, you know, $500 a month, you know, $1,000 a month. Um, no outgoings will be paid for this period. Yeah. Uh, you can't, uh, in one of the initial ones that, that, that I did personally, the parties had agreed that the landlord could call upon the tenant's bank guarantee. Now, that the code has come in, though, the code actually prohibits that, that you can't call upon the bank guarantee. Now, like most documents that a lawyer will draft, there'll be an overarching clause that says any provision in this document that is in breach of a law will be void now. So in that, that deed that I drafted uh, three or four weeks ago now, um, the call upon the bank guarantee provision is actually void. Now, in, in that instance, um, those parties haven't actually acted upon it yet. Yep. Um, now, again, good, that, good that they've got forward and actually um, you know, got something in place very early on. Look, the, these particular parties, that they've actually got a very good working relationship um a landlord and tenant and they were very quick off the mark because neither wanted to lose the relationship that they have yep uh so it was very important to both of them uh but look in, in that instance again we don't know is this is the victorian legislation when it comes out going to prohibit anybody um drafting something outside of the terms of the legislation um, a lot of it, legislation says that any provision that is um, in contravention of the Act uh, will be void. Now, we don't have 
um, a, an act yet. So therefore, um, we've got nothing to rely upon. But uh, as I said, you know, going forward, I, I wouldn't be drafting, you know, you may call upon the bank guarantee type clause. So it's not going to be involved anymore. How, how, what do you think the timeline's going to be on, say, the Victorian government until this comes out? Look, I would think within the next, you know, couple of weeks, yep. you'd think they would have to, to be honest. Um, I think a lot of focus has been on employment um, and getting, um, I, I guess, employment type matters um, under control so people can get back to work or it can at least be sorted. I, I think for the, Victorian government, uh, residential tenancy protection is, is going to be paramount. Um, I mean, look, the, I, to be honest, I mean, I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be a, a politician at the moment trying to um, put out all the fires. Um, yeah, I think it's like one of those old Looney Tune cartoons where you put your, your finger in the dike and another hole just pops open and, um, <laughs> because it's, it would be truly how it is at the moment. And, um, uh, I think it's very difficult for uh, the government to try and keep everybody happy. Yeah, and I think you're always going to, in the age of social media, it just gets pushed in every different direction and, and, and people always have an opinion on different things. So, no, no, we're never going to get everybody happy. No, look, it's, it is very difficult. And I just think that, look, as I said, um, um, in, in relation to, to your clients and their, their tenancies, be it residential or commercial, uh, be it landlord or tenant, um, it's to, to be open and to discuss these things and to work things out. And, um, and as I said, we're, we've got a lot of inquiries. There's a few that have been very proactive though, and, and we're in the midst of, um, you know, well, effectively negotiating between parties ourselves. And um, because again, the other thing that as a tenant or a landlord, when you're in, um, economic distress is the last thing you want to do is spend money with lawyers. Um, so we're, we're making offers to say, well, look, if, if, if people want to have a, a three-way phone conversation, we simply allow the, the landlord and the tenant to have the discussion. We take the notes, we put something together and say, does this reflect what everybody um, agreed to? Parties say yes. And, you know, we can form an agreement out of that. Um, Obviously, we act for our client. Um, we don't act for both parties. But, you know, we, we make that offer. If, if somebody says, well, I, I'm not paying my lawyer or my accountant or whoever else is involved, um, we, we're simply trying to reach a position where, um, you know, parties can move on, get their businesses back up and running. Darren, I, I've got here um, your, I guess there's a draft that you guys send out, which is an alert. Um, now that's got to be ticked off and everything like that. Are you happy for us to send these out to our clients? Yeah, by all means. So we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that I, I'll touch your information um, when we send this out. But I, I think these, I think it's really good. I think it's just, it gives a lot of dot points and, and it's very easy to read. Um, so I think that'd be great if we could send that out to our clients. No, no, you're more than welcome. And um, look to any of the, the cough combined listeners if um, if anybody you know needs a, a five minute chat um, they're more than welcome to give me a call and um, yeah, bounce ideas um, I guess we're all in this together a little bit so it's um, um, it's all a matter of trying to as I said keep keep business going keep um, you know keep uh, the finances flowing for everybody 
Fantastic. Darren, I really appreciate your time today um, and I hope to catch up sometime soon when we're allowed to come and see each other. Yeah, that'd be great, Jamie. I look forward to it. Thanks, Darren. No worries.